As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on? Not much. You got a, you got a new job. I do. I do. Starting on Monday. You're going to have that sweet Monday, Monday through Friday clinic life? And boy, does it feel good. Yeah, yeah, we're nurses. I'm sure the two people that uh, don't personally know us that listen to this. I think there's a few more than two. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about uh, taking so long to record another episode. We've both been busy and our schedules weren't aligning. Just a quick update. Uh, we're going to do this episode, then we're going to do one more episode, then we're going to sit down and kind of talk about where we want to go from here. So, kind of flush things out a little bit, make it slightly more professional. Yeah, well, we want to make it sound better. Professional sounding, anyway. Make it sound better. I don't know if we want to be professional. I'd love to be professional. Yeah, yeah. So please tell your friends we don't want to work anymore. Yes. <laughs> All right, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin an image and a style that you're used to. They love it when I turn up the bass. guys it is it's march it is it's march it is march 12th 2021 my name is james norn and with me is the guy who is always hooked on a feeling and knows where to come and get his love the guardian of the vinyl galaxy aaron roadie what's up everybody we (laughs) hope that you guys are surviving the pandemic surviving the winter it's almost over just keep with it yes I am vaccinated. I know that Aaron is too. 
So anyway, we got some things in store for you. So we're going to talk about a couple notable history things here in a sec. We got our reviews of Orville Peck's Pony and The Weeknd's Kiss Land, plus some new albums that Aaron and I are going to give to each other for the very first time. It's like our own personal Christmas. Always look forward to that. It's, it is fun. It's a bit of a gamble because we're always taking a risk on uh, picking something else out, but it's been going okay so, so far. I think we're both uh, we're both doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a good experience learning some new things. Uh, for our educational segment today, we are going to talk about Record Store Day. It's coming up. It's coming up. It'll be so here before we know it. We want to make sure that your calendars are ready. We'll so, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Absolutely. So what's up, Aaron? What's uh, what's our notable history? So the uh, the first thing we would like to mention today is, you know, music is a physical media, not as much today as it has been, you know, in years past. But Lou Atkins, who is the inventor of the cassette tape, and he later helped with the uh, creation of CDs back in the day. He actually passed away on March sixth. Uh, he was ninety four years old. He's living over uh, at his home in the Netherlands. Um, so, I mean, for us as physical collectors, it's kind of a, a huge person who, you know, he created the ability to do um, creating o- your own mixtapes and recording songs. Stealing music of off nature. the radio. Right. <laughs> so, as a big moment in uh, in music history. Yeah. A couple moments, at least. Yeah, just think about all of those people who... Some of you are probably listening. Recorded mixtapes for your significant others, probably largely in the '80s and probably some of the '90s, or even burning uh, CDs back in the day too. Yeah, without this guy, this uh, this wouldn't have been possible. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, kind of a big deal. You yeah. Know? So rest in peace, Lou. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of um, brings to light. So recently, I was on the Joyful Noise uh, record label website. This is a small. Uh, record independent record label. I ordered uh, Swamp Dogs Love Loss and Auto Tune, which, if you're not familiar with Swamp Dog, do yourself a favor, find him. He's D O double G like Snoop Dogg, so he is the original dog. Correct, and he's in his 70s, so, and he's just making some of the funnest, most ridiculous music in the world, so I really recommend it. Well, anyway, after I ordered from them, of course, I got on their mailing list, and I got this interesting uh, email sent. So, there's again, they're a small label with um, some interesting things, and apparently they're doing this thing called the Gray Area Cassette Series featuring 10 artists from the Extended Joyful Noise roster. So, basically, they're making these uh, premium cassette tapes that they're, you can buy, and it's a subscription, and they send you these cassettes. Now, I'm sure there are some people who probably will actually listen to these, but my theory is that these are hand-numbered items are probably largely just a collector's items. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that. I mean, it's one of those things that people will buy, they'll most likely keep sealed and display them at some point. Right, this is a collector's thing, I'm sure. It's kind of like with some of these, you know, picture discs and different um, album covers you can get on vinyl where people actually just... Put the record up on the wall and they frame it too it's there's a little side things a little side note if you're uh just getting into collecting vinyl uh, picture discs typically don't have as good a sound quality on them 
So those usually aren't the copies that you're going to probably want to listen to. Like Aaron was saying, they're probably more of a display piece. They do look really, really cool. Right, and I had uh, bought a copy of Elton John's Yellow Brick Road when I first started collecting. I didn't know that, but very quickly learned that the quality just <laughs> sound wasn't there. Especially if you got a good needle, it kind of picks up on it. Right, right. So you know, I was just we were sitting down and thinking about that, and like, where's where's collecting going? Uh, so obviously, vinyl's on a bit of a resurge where people are getting into it. Record sales are at an all-time high. They passed CDs for the first time since I think it was 1985. Um, do you think that ultimately we could see this kind of a resurgence in other areas like, you know, Blu-rays, because a lot of people do digital downloads for movies. Like, is there a place for premium collector items of other collect other things that people collect? Yes and no, I guess. I think music is one of those, those avenues that people are emotionally drawn to. And I think that just kind of opens up opens up the avenue for people to collect. I can see some people who get into like VHS tapes and DVDs and all that kind of stuff. I think it's one of those things that, you know, if people are getting into, they get into purely for the collecting of those things. They're not gonna buy a VHS tape and throw it in their VCR. Um, you and I were just talking recently about how retro video game collecting is becoming more and more of a thing too in some areas. and. A lot of those people they'll buy the old Nintendo games to display them. They don't fire up the old systems necessarily. Or they, they buy do, some of the re-release systems. Right, right. Or if they do, they fire up an emulator on a computer or on an Xbox or something like that. Except for probably the most purest of purists. Right. They right. are so, certainly those. I think there's always those purists for these things, but I think music is more open for that kind of stuff. Yeah, like what do you think's gonna happen to video games, say for example, because you know, with the advent of like the PS5 and the Xbox One uh, X, you know, we're seeing more of a steer towards digital purchasing where they have cloud storage and- You know, the, one, of the, one of the new PlayStations actually came in a digital only version, right. which drives me nuts. I like to have the physical copy. I do too. Purely for the resale value if you get rid of the system and you want to get rid of the games you can't resale a digital copy of a game no that's yours forever um that kind of drives me nuts but i think we are you know in that world where as we move forward with that stuff it's going to be more and more digital stuff yeah i think you know not now with records i think records are probably going to have a lengthy life i think this is their second life I think they're always going to have a place, uh, but I still think the records are climbing. Like I think we're we're not at the plateau yet. I think eventually, well, it'll it'll level off, and I don't think as many people are going to be collecting them. I don't foresee uh, brand new media coming out that has better quality of sound right. and stuff like that. So, like the true audiophiles, I think are always going to collect records. Well, and I think you see some of that with the like the 20th anniversary 30th anniversary remasters of some albums that are being released special colors the colors the premium packaging yeah so i think i'm in agreement with you where vinyl is still kind of on that climb up and right yes everything levels off at some point uh you know for video games uh i don't think i've mentioned this in the past i used to work at gamestop before getting into healthcare, and you know there's some pretty diehard video game collectors that i personally talk to a lot 
I can't say what's going to happen to video games, but I think we are slowly progressing towards a decline in physical media for video games. Whether that turns around at some point, that I can't say. My gut feeling is probably not. I think video games are going to continue to transition towards Which digital. Which is kind of sad, because then you won't get all these cool displays. Right. Premium cases and stuff like that. Um, all this box art, different maps and such that you get with things, posters. There are there are some people like, uh, if you're into video games, Limited Run makes premium physical copies of new games for like Nintendo Switch and stuff like that that are steel cases, right. special art books and stuff like that. So there's people out there doing some cool things. But uh, so rest easy. I think if you're if you're a record collector, I don't think your precious vinyl is going anywhere anytime soon. God, I hope not. <laughs> I I too I too hope not <laughs> as well. So, uh, what do you want to do next? Want to talk about record store day? Let's talk about record store day. So, Aaron. So, record store day. So, just a brief synopsis of what it is. So, every year, uh, a lot of like the record labels um, put out special versions of albums, sometimes with extra content. Um, or limited colors or they press something that hasn't been on vinyl in a very very long time um, and this is a way to celebrate the indie stores okay so in the past which go ahead not to cut you off if you are getting into vinyl please support your independent stores and the independent sellers I mean if you're in a spot where Walmart targets the only place or ordering online is the only place that you can get your vinyl you do that, but if you got a local mom and pop store somewhere that's selling you records, those are the people that need your support. James and I like to spread the wealth a little bit. We go to we go to everybody. And of course, we, um, as we've mentioned previously, we do buy a lot from um, the Second Chance Record Group off of Facebook, where there's a bunch of independent sellers on there. But those guys are great. They donate money to charities for like domestic um, abuse survivors, and they just have a good mission. That we believe. That's wonderful. Which we may be making an appearance on one of their broadcasts in the near future. Hopefully soon. Yeah, we're just trying to figure out our business. <laughs> so, uh, so Record Store Day. So, it, this last year was my first year going to Record Store Days. So, and I met some people while we were in line. And I talked to them and I asked them, I'm like, hey, because last year Record Store Day was three days. And I think it was, there was a month or two, it was over the course of the summer. They spaced them out, I think I want to say a month or two in between, over three days, largely due to COVID. And this is not counting Black Friday, because they also do the same thing on Black Friday. Now, I asked some guys in line what it was like in the past, and they kind of portrayed a kind of a rough scenario. So, you know, there's sometimes only one or two copies of some of these records. So what it's like is people get there late, like... I got there, um, some of the, the guys that are always in the front of the line where I go, they get there I think around midnight. And this Ooh. place opens up at like 6 or 7 a.m. that day. And I usually got there about 3 just because I'm like, I care but I don't care that much. So in the past they said that, man, it's just a mad dash um, that everybody's just in there grabbing. Nobody's shoving or pushing each other, but they're squeezing in and you know, eventually they said that your hands would get so heavy because you're holding so much stuff and everybody's packed in there so tight it was physically hard to get around. So they all really liked the three days because it kind of spaced things out. Me, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm real poor and I want to play that up, but record store day gets to be a little expensive. Regular 
days at the record store can get expensive if you get a little crazy. Record store day, especially so. So this last year, I did go to all three days. I had my wife go pick up something for me on Black Friday. It was um, a Beastie Boys record. Um, this year, they've recently announced the two dates, which I'm looking up uh, for record one store. One in June and one in July. June 12th was one of them. I'm positive of that. July 17th, I think, is what Yeah, we'll, we'll look it up and confirm. Um, and uh, so it's two days as opposed to the three days because this is a worldwide event and they're trying to, you know, still be somewhat safe. I was a little disappointed because I liked the extra days because then I didn't have to spend several hundred dollars all at once. Um, so I would rather them do three days, but that's not how things are going. So Aaron came with me to the last actual record store day. So at this point, I, I don't believe you had a turntable, right? I did not. I did not. So this was kind of my first, you know, experience with the the record store and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to lie, I think we got there between 3.30 and 4. Yeah, I think that was about um, right. You know, we sat in line, we kind of talked with the people around us. Quick note, uh, June 12th and July 17th, worldwide, same days, no matter where you're listening. Yep. Um, but, you know, I was, James kind of explained a little bit, you know, go in the door go this way things will be along the wall here and of course for me i kind of try to stay out of everybody's way because you weren't buying that day right i wasn't buying um i didn't want to be that guy that just got in the way and kind of took up space you know actually what i wanted was i wanted aaron to fall down in the doorway because <laughs> um, we we're kind of far up in the line to prevent everybody from getting in behind he him he just kind of stuck his foot out and tripped me but yeah but he didn't go for that <laughs> um so this was kind of what got me hooked on records truthfully um i was part of that generation that midnight releases for certain video games were kind of our thing and it kind of brought me back to that so it had a little bit of this nostalgia feel for me um he sent me the list of what was available beforehand too and there were kind of some interesting uh artists on there i know snoop dogg was on there for one of them the beastie boys was on there um you picked up Paul McCartney one, if I'm... Yeah, it was a re-release of Paul McCartney's first solo album, um, remastered, and then it was at, a, I believe it was 45 speed. If yeah. It was a full LP, but it was at 45 So, speed. I mean, they, they send out what's going to be available and how many copies beforehand. And well, I haven't seen how many copies worldwide, worldwide right. you'd have to check with your regular store to right. know how many they're going to get. I don't think they've released the list for this year yet, have they? No, we got a little bit of time yet. Okay. Yeah, because so, it's probably a lot of different labels having to release the information. <laughs> right, and it was cool just to experience. I'm excited to be able to go this year and potentially buy something depending on what is there. Yeah. And there is, at our store, the exclusive company here in Appleton, there is a section of old Record Store Day albums that have not been picked up which i think is kind of cool to look back and see too the right. prices for these albums are two to three times what you would pay for a typical album depending on what it is too. at so the very least a couple dollars more yeah, depends on so you, depends on the label and the artist and stuff so you've got to be very selective to a point i think and if you pop online afterwards sometimes <laughs> um, there's flippers and they're just selling them for ridiculous amounts the one 
I looked up the other day. I was just curious to see if there was a Lil Dicky album that had been released, and it was a Record Store Day one. And the only version I could find on Discogs was one that was going for like $250. And I'm never going to pay 250 bucks for a used album. And if you're listening, I wouldn't either because we can't <laughs> encourage these crazy flippers. Right. we got to let them kind of lose interest in what they're doing. Right. So just kind of keep that in mind that there are those people who buy them and flip them. Yeah. Please don't be those people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a few times where I was in line and I had the opportunity to grab multiple copies of something I knew was going to be rare, but I wasn't going to be like that. I mean, I want someone to come in and get something special and have a good day with themselves. Right. And most people show up to these things with, these are the three that I want to get. Yeah. All the guys that I talk to always had lists. Right. They had a plan. And some of them were so organized that they would, like, go, you go to this end, I go to this end, and then they'd grab copies for each other to maximize what they were getting. And maybe Aaron and I will do that. We'll talk about it when it gets a little closer. I can definitely see that happening. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things where... You want to make sure you know what that album cover looks like before you go in there. Yeah, and they have pictures. Uh, Record Store Day does have a website. Uh, they, they have the quantities and the cover albums and why this version is special and right. and so on. There are some places, too, where you can purchase some of these um, online uh, from independent stores that aren't price gouging. But you'll have to do some research. I can't really give you any advice on them because I've seen them, but I haven't done business with these folks. Mm-hmm. So that I don't know. It's, it's definitely something to experience for sure. Right. So it's a fun day. Um, com- they have a similar thing for comic books called Free Comic Book Day. So it's not a new concept, but um, if you're into vinyl, it's definitely worth checking out. Collecting of anything. I mean, there, right. there are different places and avenues and ways to get stuff. Is there, anyway. a, watch, is there a watch day? I'm sure there is. <laughs> if there is, I need to find one. I'm yeah. sure it's in like Sweden or Switzerland. Your or girlfriend definitely. Maybe New York City, something like that. Your girlfriend would not be happy with anything. If there was a giveaway of Rolex Day, I would definitely be there in a heartbeat. All right, so sounds good. So I think what we'll probably do next is we'll move on to our reviews for our uh, records that Aaron and I picked out for each other for our Going In Blind segment. <laughs> so Aaron, would you like to go first or you want me to go first? I can go first this time. All right, so what did I pick so out for you? James picked out Orville Peck album uh, Pony. I knew nothing about this artist. Which was my goal. Uh, beforehand. And uh, when I looked at the album cover, the first thing I compared him to in my head was Lil Nas X. Reason being is he is a newer artist who is just kind of over the top and flamboyant with everything that he does. And the only picture I saw of Orville was a red velvet cowboy hat with a black lace mask on with fringe with fringe um so that was that was really all i could see and i just kind of thought thought, this guy must be a little over the top um so when i did a little research you know i found out he's a canadian artist most places label him as a country artist after listening to the album i don't know if that's how i would label him but I understand why they did. You have to put a label on him somewhere so you know how to categorize his music with other stuff. Lots of the music in the album definitely has country elements to it, and there's very good storytelling and things like that, but I definitely hear roots in other music as well. 
Um, so when I first listened to the album, you know, it had that country feel. It had a simplistic musical style, which I enjoy. It kind of makes you focus on the lyrics and the feeling of the music a little not more. Overproduced, right? Um, when you hear his voice, it's very apparent he's trying to tell you something, but he kind of wants you to figure it out. Is kind of the vibe that I got from it. Um, after you know, listening a little bit, I could hear a little bit of folk music mixed in there. And a couple of days after, you know, I got it, I threw on a Leonard Skinner album that my dad had got me for my birthday. And I texted James and I was like, you know, I can hear some of this in that Orville album as well. That's the beautiful thing about music is there's everybody takes influences from each other. It's really like a inclusive medium. Right. And this was a very well balanced mix of different musical genres as well. So as the album kind of went on, I was trying to figure out who he was talking about the whole time. Is he talking about himself or some other kid that he may have grown up with or, or who was it? There's a lot of raw emotion in the lyrics, which I like. And on the third song, he kept saying, it's all right. And talks a boy stuck or caught in something, but you never really figure out who it is that he's talking about, which is kind of cool. It, it leaves it open-ended to the listener and you can kind of figure out what he's trying to get at himself. Um, after a few slower songs to begin the album, he goes into a little more upbeat one as well, which I liked. It kind of shows you the versatility. And you can tell he's a very good storyteller with the music, and he does have some country roots. One other thing I thought was interesting was the intentional distortion of some sounds. So it had very good production work without being overproduced, which I really enjoyed. Um, he doesn't oversaturate oversaturate you with his sounds as well so as far as me liking the album i definitely do like the um like the t-rex album you got for me i don't think it's something that i would have bought for myself but i did enjoy it i judge an album based on if i can come back and listen to it multiple times and this is definitely one that i think i will and every time i listen i can probably pull something different from it as well so for that reason It'll be staying in the collection. One other thing I really liked about this album is I kind of, after the first few songs, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if this is something I can get into and I can enjoy, it's but after, it was absolutely different. after three, four songs, I kind of found myself bobbing my head to the music and I definitely got into it. He's getting a lot of attention. He, um, not that long ago, released a new song off of his uh, EP that he recorded with Shania Twain. Mm -hmm. actually so he's definitely getting some proper you know and the music video for that song he's got a very interesting costume for so him performing live would be a treat i think yeah we talked about how we considered going to go see see him live mm -hmm. so did you uh find anything out about his uh actual name so orville peck is a suit like a pseudonym nobody officially knows who it is there are rumors that are circulating about that he used to be a drummer for a punk band I think, canadian punk band i think he has said you know i used to be a drummer in another band and you said it was based on his tattoos and yeah that's some side like by that. side photos of him and i agree the tattoos look very similar so nobody officially knows but there are ideas swirling about and the name is daniel Pit out. I'm sure I butchered that name as I do with all names that I say. I'm sure it's French uh, if he's Canadian. Right. And then um, the band that he supposedly was in, if this is correct, was I'm not going to pronounce it correctly either. It's 
N U, then there's like the umlaut above the U, space N E N S A E. So again, don't know this band at all. I uh, just know that they're a punk band. And it would totally make sense for this guy to come from a punk band, just with the way his lyrics are put together and the, the diversity of musical styles. Yeah, he's very, very, very diverse. Yeah. I would agree. Um, so it's also worth mentioning, too, he's openly gay, um, which is kind of an unusual thing, kind of in the country genre. We don't see that as right. much. Um, when I, I was learning about him, I read a couple things. One, when you ask him about his mask that he wears, he really doesn't tell you what it's for. He says, I want it to be whatever whatever people want it to be. And you can feel that with his music, too. Like, he'll tell you the story, but he's not going to tell you how to interpret anything. Right. He's very much, I'm going to put this media out there. You interpret it the way you want it to interpret. And he's not clear on whether it's talking about him or talking about a boy that he knows, um, somebody dated. All of it's very open. Right. Another interesting thing I found out when I kind of went down the rabbit hole on him was he was inspired by, as at a young age, by an album called uh, Lavender Country, uh, who was a country music band uh, that was formed in 1972. And this was actually the first known gay-themed album in country history. Um, I did look it up on um, Discogs, too. It looks like it's probably a hard album to find. But Orwell specifically cited in um, an article that I read about him in an interview that this album impacted him. So if you get interested in, like, man, I want to get this landmark album that was Lavender Country. And I think Pony is his debut album. Correct. He's got, he's got that and an EP out. And it's called Show Pony, I think, is the second one or something. Yeah, that's the one with the Shania Twain song. Do yourself a favor, check the music video out. It's cool. It is. It is. All right, so we'll move on to my album. So I got... The Weeknd's uh, 2013 release uh, called Kissland. The Weeknd's name is Abel McConan Tesve, another Canadian uh, artist. Weeknd, if you're listening, I'm sorry I butchered your name. We also hope you are listening, just for that fact. (laughs) I know he is. The Weeknd's a fan. Uh, so, born February 16th, 1990, he is a singer-songwriter and record producer originally from Toronto, Canada. Known professionally as The Weeknd, and as Aaron pointed out in our last episode, that's Weekend with two E's. Mr. Weekend has been active since 2010. Uh, early days of his career, he would upload songs anonymously to YouTube. In his approximately 11-year career, he's released seven studio albums, Garnering, garnering himself uh, three Grammy Awards. And what did you just tell me about that? So he he has recently been kind of against the whole Hollywood and over-dramatization and glorification of people in Hollywood. With the Grammys coming up uh, this Sunday, actually, um, he has told his record label and the whole musical world effectively that he is not going to be allowing his stuff to be submitted for Grammy Awards anymore. And I think he's doing this as a fact that, you know, he's won three or four in the past. And now uh, he's kind of sticking it to them, saying, I don't want your awards anymore. I'm going to do this for me. And there, there's some respect in that. There's some integrity. Uh, <laughs> two of his Grammy Awards came in 2016. One was for Best R&B Performance for Earned It. 
and is second for Best Urban Contemporary Album with Beauty Behind the Madness. His most recent win, coming in 2018, again, for Best Urban Contemporary Album uh, with the release of Starboy, which was what Aaron originally played me a snippet of and had a very disco vibe to it, it from what it you played does. for me. I, I enjoy that album a lot. All right, so some of my thoughts. So admittedly, I knew absolutely nothing about this artist going into this. I am not going to go over what makes a good album to me since we covered that in the last review. All right, that being said, uh, from someone who appreciates great art and aesthetics, this album impressed me from the moment Aaron put it in my hands. Not only was this album a gatefold, but it also came with a high-quality cover sleeve. It felt like I was holding a little box set. Uh, the dark colors and green hue of all of the writing and pictures appealed to me visually. And then when I pulled the gatefold inner sleeve out of its almost futuristic uh it had almost a futuristic Japanese vibe that reminded me of movies like Blade Runner. This was a double album on clear neon vinyl. Can what, we ever figure out if it was glow in the dark? By I was way? just I was just thinking about that. I'm gonna be honest. I totally forgot to check. So um, it, it has that look like it could glow in the dark. All right. When the needle first hit the grooves on this record, I was overwhelmed. The music was extremely dark and moody. It felt raw and painful. Then when the vocals kicked in, it definitely matched the tone of the music. The weekend was quick to show me the range and ability of his voice. The music was decidedly modern, but make no mistake, his voice style was definitely R&B. Having grown up with bands like Styx and Pink Floyd and The Who, I'm no stranger to concept albums. To me, these albums, they have somewhat of a uniform tone from beginning to end. I would take it a step further and say this album is the R&B equivalent to a rock opera. With the same size and scope and sound, I uh, feel like if you were to sit down and put this album on shuffle, you would lose a lot of its magic of the journey. Songs seem to flow from one to another uh, with building and dropping down from each other. Uh, it's for that reason I would struggle to pick out uh, standalone songs to recommend. The closest thing I would say is the album's seventh track, Wonderlust. The album, this album is decidedly upbeat in comparison. I'm sorry, this song is decidedly upbeat in comparison to the rest of the album. At this uh, point, I would say it's very reminiscent of uh, '70s and early '80s Michael Jackson, both musically and vocally. It would kind of um, compare it to the song "Rock with You" by Michael Jackson, uh, if you're looking for something more direct. So the main question we always address at the end of these reviews, would I have bought this for myself? No, I definitely would not have. Do I like it? Yes, I do. It actually really surprised me. Um, and I could see myself picking up the album Starboy. For that reason, The Weeknd's Kiss Land has found a permanent home in my collection. You know, I kind of knew going into it, you know, as soon as I sent that snippet over and you said, oh, that sounds fun. I was like, well, that's what I have to get now. Yeah. And I'm glad you enjoyed it, too. I did. I definitely did. All right. Should we move on to this week's yeah. albums? Yep. Let me, uh, I'll get you, get, you, get you this one over here. So I am giving Aaron a copy of the Black Pumas uh, album. This is not his, rec his record for the week, but I recently picked up the uh, deluxe reissue of it with bonus tracks, so I no longer have a reason to have that. Gold vinyl. Uh, one, yeah, one. one record's gold and one's uh, black with like red. And the second record is um, 
like live tracks, and I actually came with a seven inch with uh, two covers on it. One was oh, Eleanor right. Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, yeah, that's that one. I'm giving Aaron's uh, white uh, cream colored vinyl. Okay, so. I dig that. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna try not to do too much of our initial impressions um, with these new records since we're gonna kind of uh, go more into depth. So for this week, I have going to be presenting Aaron with uh, J.D. McPherson's Undivided Heart and Soul, uh, published on New West Records, and then we have it at a 2017 release. Okay, so another group that I know nothing about. I'm excited for that. I was listening I'm to... I'm guessing it's soul music. No. Or, no? Okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna steer you on it. I will just say, by comparison to the rest of what I've picked out from you in the past, it's more upbeat. Okay. Because I felt like I was kind of giving you some like dark, <laughs> the, dark. The last dunk. two albums were definitely kind of dark and heavy and emotional. Which... Dark and heavy and emotional. So don't get me wrong. There's uh, a serious side to this album, but okay. musically, there's more upbeat. Than... I'm excited for that. Yeah. I, I you know, and the, the last album I got for Aaron and this album, I would buy for myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got. Something here that I would probably buy for myself as well. So Aaron texted me the other day and he gave me oh, numbers one and two. <laughs> and he asked, because he was debating between two albums. And uh, then he's like, I'm going to get you both for you. And he goes, but which one we're going to get first? And then I picked and then they didn't have that one. Yeah, so that kind of didn't work out at my point. But that other one has been ordered. The store will call me when it's in. So that'll be for next time. So is this the one you said you think I know would know the artist? Yes. Well, I know... I know you know the other artist, okay. but this is one that I'm fairly confident you don't have in your collection yet, but I'm guessing you will know the artist. Okay. So I have Jack Johnson's In Between Dreams here. I know the name. Okay. And I've listened to some Jack Johnson. And I'm guessing once you hear the first couple songs, you'll kind of pick up on who it was. So it's a 2005 release on Universal Records. Here is that. Thank you. I've definitely heard some Jack Johnson. I wouldn't say that I've listened to a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely a good pick. But from what I remember, this was definitely something that I liked. And kind of on the same lines, like this is a little more happy and upbeat than the Weekends record that you just got. I, I definitely enjoyed it. But yes, it was moody. It was very moody. <laughs> yeah, and he's... The weekend is kind of known for that. When he first started performing, he would perform on basically a blank stage or a black stage with a stool in the middle for him to sit on. Now people watch his performances and there's flashing lights everywhere and you know crazy backup dancers, but that is not nearly what he was when he first kind of popped up on the scene. Too. He's the very artistic guy. Yes, he is. All right. So recent pickups. Yeah, you go first. I kind of took a break i got a bunch of records for my birthday a couple weeks ago i got a live leonard skinner album from my dad i got the bohemian rhapsody soundtrack from my mom so a question about the bohemian rhapsody soundtrack mm -hmm. is got it right that here, is that re-recordings of stuff or is that um new 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 recording so it's a little bit of both it actually has the one, two, three, four, five songs that they performed at Live Aid, which I think is kind of awesome. So it's got the Live Aid recordings. Which are the actual songs, not a reproduction. Correct. Yep. Okay. It's got some 
revisited songs they label it as which i'm guessing are the movie recordings that they made and then some are live at different concerts that they played so like one of them on here for example is from rock and rio one of them is from hammersmith odeon um it's got a couple on here that are labeled as movie mixes so it's kind of a mix of both brian may and roger taylor uh, produced the album well, we know Brian May is definitely, I believe Roger Taylor is, I think Roger Taylor, is that his, their drummer? I believe so. Yeah. Because Brian is the lead, lead guitar. Lead guitar, yeah. So, it's a little bit of both. Which I'm excited for. I love Queen. This is a very good movie, too. So, we got a lot of good stuff on there. Um, what else did I get? Uh, Melissa got me an Eminem album a Rascal Flatts album, and then the Greatest Showman soundtrack, which is another favorite Didn't movie of mine. Didn't the band, famous band do that soundtrack? Um, they So they actually re-released the soundtrack where like Panic at the Disco yes, does a few songs. Uh, Pink is in a couple songs on the album. It's kind of a compilation of various artists. I watched that movie. That was a great soundtrack. Yes, very good. Hugh Jackman is a very good singer. And a very as tall, is Zac Efron. And a very tall man. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, what else did I get? We just had auction night. A few auction nights in a row. What did I give you for your birthday? Where, uh, oh yeah, you got an Edward Sharp album as well. Here is the name of the album. Mm -hmm. It's a very good album. We listened to it together about a week ago, a week and a half ago. It was yeah. very good. Um... So, from the auctions, I have two Ziggy Marley albums coming, a Randy Travis album coming, a third reggae album that I admittedly don't know the artist, but Armando played some of it, and I was digging it, so I threw my name in there for And you got impulsive and just ordered. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, a Metallica album coming as well. Oh, yeah, Justice for All, isn't it? Yep. That's yep. on my to-buy list. Um... And then I just went to the store foolishly yesterday. Told myself I was only going to get the records for James. I yeah, up, that didn't happen. I ended up coming back with a Bruno Mars album, uh, Maroons 5's Songs About Jade, which... Their best album. Yes, yes, very good album. And then a Chance the Rapper self-released album as well. Which is one of Aaron's favorite. On uh, purple uh, see-through vinyl as well. That's sexy. Is very very good looking. It's called Ten Day. Check it out. It's his first uh, first mixtape that he released. All right. So recent purchases. This is not counting the Chelsea. If you're listening, earmuffs. The twelve you, records. You might that, as well just stop right now, Chelsea. <laughs> the twelve records that I have coming this week from uh, the Second Chance Vinyl Group. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, I recently purchased uh, Swamp Dogs, Love Loss, and Auto Tune. Uh, I've been into listening to uh, the Rolling Stones podcast, and they did a retrospective on their best albums uh, of 2020, one of which was uh, Haim, H-A-I-M, uh, Women in Music Part 3. Uh, another one of those albums that I really have a hard time kind of throwing into a label of a group. It's, it's just great. Just do yourself a favor and check, check it out. It is quite good. Uh, Aaron mentioned in our previous podcast that him and I both ordered a copy of Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters, their, their debut album. Uh, I got that in. Um, so now I, I have that out the other day, by the way. That was a very good, very it good was. buy. Uh, I still think Pound for Pound, I feel like Colored Shapes, their best album to me. Yeah. Yeah, I love Everlong. Uh, I got Edward Sheriff and the Magnetic Zero is here. 
the Black Pumas, Black Pumas re-release with all the extra stuff that we talked about. Uh, then I, uh, because Aaron got a special copy, I got the original version of NWA's Straight Outta Compton, which I did listen to, and I liked that a lot, actually. That's one of those albums that you throw on, and it's better than what you thought it was. From, it was. From start to finish. I got, uh, Dick Smith's Initial Thrust, as Armando, our record guy, referred to that as baby-making music. And that's exactly what you think it would be <laughs> when you listen to it. Uh, the Commodore's Machine Gun uh, was a re-release. Uh, James Brown's Jam 1980s, which was quite, quite good. And then what else did I get? Um, I got Blaze Foley's Dog Years uh, off Fat Awesome Records. That's um, kind of a, I don't know how to put this, kind of a salty, dirty kind of country I'd check it out. The Guess Who Guess Who from B.B. King. Uh, great B.B. King album. Uh, I got Finally by T.J. Shepard. Kind of an obscure one I got. It was sealed um, from 1982. It was horribly warped, so I haven't got a chance to listen to that yet. Uh, I got Mr. Wizard by R.L. Burnside. Keats, Keats. Uh, the Family. The Family was the album. Interestingly enough, it's got a Prince cover on it, which... I would put the family's that album is purely a very heavily Prince influence. Yeah. Um, the Foo Fighters Medicine at Midnight, which is their new album, and I got that on blue vinyl. And uh, I got I got a really sweet deal on James Taylor's American Standard, which is his new release. It was at Target for clearance for seven dollars and forty eight cents, which is largely a uh, cover cover album. So that it sounds like. You know, he paid an arm and a leg for these things. But most of these albums are like seven, eight, nine dollars a piece when we buy off the auctions. So it's not like we're spending twenty, thirty bucks per I, record. I, I divide them up and uh, I do I figure out what I paid per record. And generally it's almost always below fifteen dollars, right. like like twelve or thirteen at most. Right. Um, other things I got to look forward to, I got some Spiritual Simpson, some Neil Diamond coming soon. Uh, one of Andy Gibbs' solo albums, some Bob Dylan. Uh, he had an auction for some largely some new sealed things. So I got uh, the same Kingfish album Aaron got. Which is great. I spun that the other day, and it is it's beautiful. Uh, I got a really good deal on this um, soul singer that I'd never heard of, uh, Betty Smith. I got a Billie Holiday album coming, which um, I'm going to keep this short. Um, if you get a chance to watch the Billie Holiday uh, movie that's on Hulu, it was quite impactful. I learned just a lot of interesting things about her. Some of the high points being that um, she was what would eventually become the, the first, open, one of the first openly bisexual artists in the country. And this was in the 1940s. That was huge. Mm -hmm. She rose to popularity from... Um, largely singing a song called Strange Fruit, which had to do with um, lynching people, which the government, I won't spoil it for you, but the government at the time didn't really take a shine to. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, dark stories behind some of this music, that's for sure. All right. So I'm going to bust out a couple quick uh, on this day history notes, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, so again, March 12, 1963, the Beatles played the Grand Cinema, in Bedford, John Lennon was suffering from a cold, so they had to kind of 
mix things up and uh, actually had George sing uh, John's parts. In 1968, the Rolling Stones started recording their next song, uh, next single, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Uh, the Temptations in 1969 became the first Motown recording act to win a Grammy. On that same day, uh, Paul McCartney married Linda, Linda Eastman. 1975, ABBA recorded Mamma Mia. Uh, 1983, Bonnie Tyler scored her only number one hit on the UK chart with Total Eclipse of the Heart. 1988, Rick Astley started his two-week run at number one with Never Gonna Give You Up. What was that only there for two weeks? Two weeks. Man. That's not counting the six months that was popular recently. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so just a reminder, if you want to communicate with us, you can check us out on One More Record Podcast on Twitter. You can also get us at One More Record Podcast on gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think we're doing well, uh, what we suck at. Just be nice. Yeah, please. We're, we're sensitive boys. Um, we are kind of at the beginning stages of digging into getting sweatshirts and things made, too. So if anybody is interested, I know it might be a long shot right now, but... Yeah. Down the road, that's something that we may dig into as well. Right. We'd love to have conversations with you. We'd love to know what you're listening to. Um, any suggestions? Any advice that you have for someone that's new getting into collecting? You know, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, we're all ears, that's for sure. That's for sure. So thank you for sticking with us. Um, like I said, just remember we're going to do this episode. We'll do one more episode after this, and we're going to kind of sit down and talk about restructuring the podcast and what we can do to make better quality. Um, if for some reason you're listening and you want to sponsor us, we definitely would be willing to talk to you about that. Or if you want to be a guest on the show too, we'd be open to that as well. Right, right. Yep, we could do a, we'd be able to do like a Zoom video or whatever you want to do to kind of chat. For sure. So. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good one. Remember, there's always more vinyl. There's always more vinyl. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.